We are glad to make all of our Jcast Network podcasts free for our listeners. However, they are not free to produce and host. Please consider making a donation to Jcast Network to help support our work by visiting jcastnetwork.org slash donate. Thanks for your support. You are listening to A Taste of Romamu, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Romamu, please visit Romumu.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. What a juicy moment that must have been. What an altogether remarkable lick-your-chops moment it must have been. When the discarded Joseph, who had been thrown into a pit and left for dead by his brothers, who acted so not brotherly or brotherly, depending on how you read the story. They were altogether consistent with the way brothers treat each other in the book of Genesis, in the first of the five books of the Torah. Brothers don't generally get along. So what a lick-your-chops moment that must have been for the discarded, thrown-away Joseph, the one who was thrown and left for dead by his brothers, in an act that brings us back to the book of Genesis original sin, not the tree of life or the tree of good and evil, but the original sin of the Torah is fratricide. Cain and Abel. And look at this. Here's Abel and standing before him with all of their vulnerability are the brothers begging for their lives. Joseph, who if you're following his story every year, he rises from rags to riches every year. Every year, Joseph, thrown into the pit, somehow makes his way out. The story ends well, and we know it. But this moment in particular, this moment of Joseph having seen his brothers standing before him, he recognizes who they are, and they don't recognize him, and he can do whatever he wants. He's got all the power. Now he's the boss. And so Joseph creates a situation, right? In his unrecognizability, he has all the options available to him, and he is going to create a brilliant scenario where he will test his brothers to see if they have changed, if 20 years has taught them anything. He, of course, knows nothing about what their lives have been like, and they don't know anything about his life. They think he's dead. And during those 20 years, Joseph has suffered immensely. The privileged, pampered child of Jacob, who once wore a technicolor dream coat, whatever that was, has had his clothing stripped of him three times. The Torah lets us know he now knows what it is to suffer. He has calluses on his soul. And there he is. Revenge is so sweet. And the brothers, of course, later on in the Torah will tell them that we were terrified that you were going to murder us, kill us, do something. And so there the brothers stand, and Joseph gives them one charge. He says, go back to to Jacob and bring Benjamin. Bring the other brother of my mother, Rachel, the one who's like me, the one Jacob doesn't want to lose, the one whom you are jealous of too because he's not one of the privileged. He is one of the privileged. Bring him back. And where our Torah service this morning will begin is verse 16 in chapter 43. If you are holding the red Chumash, the red Bible, it's on page 265. This will be the second time the brothers have appeared before Joseph. 
Vayar Yosef Itam et Binyamin. And Joseph saw that indeed they had done as he had asked. He had told the brothers, don't you dare come back to Egypt looking for food if you don't have Benjamin with you. And the famine in the land of Canaan had become so acute, so intense, that the brothers had to come back. And so they had begged Jacob to let go of Benjamin. Benjamin, of course, the son of Rachel, Jacob's beloved. And Jacob finally gives in. He has no choice. And there they are now. And Joseph sees his brother. It's been 20 years. And if cameras could be focused there, right? This would be great for some Oprah show. This is a reunion made for TV. Joseph sees Benjamin. And the text tells us, Vayar Yosef Itam et Binyamin. He saw that with them was Benjamin, his brother. Vayomer la'asher al-beito. He says to the one over his house, says to the person over is seeing his house, he says, take these gentlemen to my house. I am the vice president of the country. Take them to my house. Make a meal for them. They're going to eat with me. Of course, in Egypt, that's a big deal because we're told by the Torah that Egyptians and Hebrews didn't eat together. So he's saying something very powerful. He's saying, they're going to eat with me at my royal table. Give them the work. Set them up. Now, what do you think they're thinking? Before you even read what the text tells us they were thinking, what do you think? You think you come down, you're like, this guy, he's the most powerful person in the world. He was angry at us. He told us to come back and bring Benjamin. He thought we were spies. Maybe you didn't know that. I'll remind you. Benj- they, they had been there before, and the viceroy didn't like them. But now they came back, and they did what he said. They brought this Benjamin character, and here they are, and he says, Stop everything! Please bring them to my house and make them a fine meal. I will eat them with them tonight. I will eat them. I will eat with them tonight. What do you think those characters, who wants to be the brothers? Anybody want to be the brothers for a moment? Yeah, Karen, what are the brothers thinking? Oh, they, so you know the story, but you think that, you, even if you don't know the story, they think, okay, what's going on? Wait a second. It's like, jig is up. What, what, you, what, what you, your house? Uh-oh. Anybody have another read? I mean, the Torah will tell us what they're thinking, but what do you think they would, might be thinking? What would you be thinking at this moment? Ambush. You're thinking ambush. Okay, so you, so that's what the story tells us they were thinking. They, they were scared out of their minds. They say, they say, listen, look at the next verse. He, you know, the one who was overseeing the house did exactly as Joseph asked. They made a big meal. It was like catered. It was to the hilt. They come home. Verse 18, if you're following with me. And the people saw, here means they saw, but it also means with two yuds, they were afraid. They say out loud, we've been brought to the house of Joseph. It must be, you know, this guy put money that we owed them back into, like we're in trouble. This can't be good. This is just a setup. It is just a, 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 a setup. Now, it wasn't. He really did feed them, and later on he gets angry at them again, and it is a setup. But this bringing of his family into his house 
For a moment, I want to just... What might be happening for Joseph? I know that the brothers are scared, but what might be happening for Joseph? Let's get a couple of those in order to come in for a landing with a, a particular Hasidic or uh, that lineage of Hasidism, that lineage. We're going to look at one interpretation of his motivation. But first, Karen Freed. So, so Karen's saying, so what's happened, what motivates Joseph here is, in, but usually that happens unconsciously. You think he's doing it consciously or unconsciously? No, I, what do you think? Both. So, un, so consciously he's saying, let's go back to the scene of the crime. And for those who don't know the story, what's remarkable about this scene is it's really the, it's the first time all of the brothers are together with Joseph since they threw him into a pit and had sat down and had a meal. So here he has a chance to some, in some way to go back to that scene. Okay, what else? Tony, I want to get somebody who hasn't spoken this morning and I'm trying to include people who might not otherwise speak. Who wants to step forward and say, what do you think is happening for Joseph? Yes, Evelyn. Okay, so we're going to go with Evelyn's in a moment, back to Evelyn's point in, in the Hasidic reading, okay? So Evelyn's saying he's looking at them through eyes of compassion and everything he's doing is trying to bring his brothers and him back together again. He's trying to resolve the situation, Okay. Yes. So, he doesn't know yet. So he's, okay, I won't say stalling, you don't like that word, but anyway, he's kind of ambivalent, and he's in between. He's like, I'm not sure if I'm going to punish you or if I'm going to forgive you. I'm not sure, but I'm sending you to my house, because the word house appears four times in three verses. That's a lot. So the house, he wants to bring to the house to kind of see which way it's going to go. Okay, someone else. Yes. And so how does that connect to bringing them to the house? And he sends them to his house and makes a meal so that they will t make an accounting and tell him. So kind of part of his overall plan is to, to get an accounting of what's going on with his father, right? So he needs to bring them to a private area to find out maybe, okay? Well, he eventually will. Eventually he will. So here, let's go back to Evelyn and go back to Evelyn's take on resolution and we're to come in for a landing. This, by the way, is called Open Up which means since we've opened it up for opinions and also opened up the text, we'll also open up, you can come forward and up, as it's known as an aliyah, you can come up if what I'm about to say or anything that was said speaks to you and just stand with the Torah in the first aliyah, the first calling up for, um, for a blessing. The grandson of the great Hasidic master, the founder of the Hasidic movement, the Baal Shem Tov, the Baal Shem Tov, his grandson, the Degel Machane Ephraim, Ephraim of Sedilikov says something very, very profound. It says, you know, there are a lot of ways to realize that you've made a mistake. There are a lot of ways to feel remorse. One way to feel remorse is for somebody to come and wag their finger at you and say, you know, what you did was so wrong to me. You hurt me so badly. Look at what you did. Look how you misjudged me. Let me tell you how wrong you are. Let me tell you how you missed the mark. One way of doing that is for someone to use power, the power that they have, to make you feel contrite. I'm your parent. I'm your boss. And what you did was wrong, wrong, wrong. And in that model of contrition or motivating contrition, it requires us to kind of say a lot. Another way 
this Hasidic master said in the name of his grandfather is that you're shown how amazing the person you've wronged is. That in some way you get a window into the one whom you've wronged. Their largesse, their generosity. You begin to feel ashamed. You begin to feel an a, a burgeoning experience of, wow, I can't believe I did that to such an amazing human being. And the Baal Shem Tov said that's a much, much worse shame. A much, much worse feeling. It's not a feeling of, oh, you did something wrong. You come to a self-awareness. You come slowly along to see that the person that you have wounded is really human and generous and good. Almost like you, you know, imagining someone who is so full of rage and hatred and racism and anti-Semitism, all of a sudden a Jew or an African-American or someone that they had imagined was so inhumane, so not worthy of love, so not worthy of their respect, all of a sudden you are in a place of vulnerability, you are in a place of needing them, and all of a sudden they bring you in and they house you and you start to feel, how can you be so nice to me? Look at what I did to you. Look at how I imagined you. And through the force of love, not fear, the force of intimacy, you come to your own self-realization that you have to change who you are. And says this Hasidic master, that's what's motivating Evelyn, Joseph. What's motivating Joseph is he wants to bring his brothers into his house. He wants them to have a recognition eventually that even though they imagined him taking revenge against them, he gave them back goodness in place of what they gave him, which was pain. And through their own exposure to his large S, that they might come to feel remorse. I never would have read that in these four verses. But it's a powerful, a powerful invitation. It's a powerful invitation to make change in our lives based not on fear, but based on passion. To make changes in our lives based on generosity and on goodness, not on what we want to avoid, because thou shalt not never motivate us, but thou shalt always do. Thou shalt be more loving is better than don't you dare be vengeful. To be motivated by a sense of purpose and a sense of what we want to bring to the world is always more powerful more motivating, more lasting, more sustainable. I know that as a young father, my parents must have had a really rough time with young me. You know how I know that? Because now I'm an old father. <laughs> and it's amazing to realize over the time that I've been a dad now for nine years, all of the realizations I've had about my parents' generosity that have brought me to call them unexpectedly and say, thank you. They didn't have to send me an email and say, you know, you owe us a thank you. Maybe you might have thought differently about this 15 years ago in therapy. Maybe, who knows? But when we have an experience of generosity or we have ourselves brought to an awareness of how goodness can motivate, especially unexpected goodness, a goodness that brings us to our knees, a goodness that we feel is unexpected, a goodness and a kindness that floors us because it's not the habitual and reactive way that we might experience life. That can change us forever. If anyone has ever done that for you, if anyone has ever done the unexpected kindness that you thought you didn't deserve, you know what I mean.
So for this first Aliyah, as the brothers are being brought into a place where revenge is not, act, is not acted out, but instead generosity is played out. In this group of Aliyot, where we're brought into the house of Joseph, who could have taken revenge, but instead said, I like to motivate my brothers through generosity and not through smallness. It's an invitation to go high, not low. So I'd like to elevate and invite anyone this morning who feels comfortable and called to participate in Joseph's, his action plan for getting people to change. If that's somewhere in your life that speaks to you, please come forward for the first Aliyah this morning. Come forward, motivations that are steeped in generosity an awareness of largesse, an awareness of goodness that has been bequeathed to us, not a wagging finger, but an open calling forward as a place to improve, a place to receive for the first Aliyah.